Welcome to the Apple of Truth, our weekly podcast where we cover every single episode of Lucifer while celebrating the great parts, pointing out the bad parts, and answering questions you never knew you even had. I'm Vero. And I'm Lena. And we can't wait to share our love and hate for your favorite characters. Today we're talking about Season 5, Episode 12, Daniel Espinosa, Naked and Afraid. I love this. It's like a memoir name or a spin-off name. It's also the second time we have another character in the title. The other time was Charlotte Richards. Oh, true. Lovely. Welcome back, Charlotte Richards. Coincidence? I don't think so. That at least made it into the trivia section on IMDb, <laughs> but I did not actually include it. But before we go into that part, let's see what this episode is about. This is the long overdue Dan episode during which Lucifer takes perfect revenge on Dan. We get about 500 callbacks and in the end, a surprisingly happy Daniel. Yay. So this is going to be obsession of the week and it's going to be one that I fucking hope we got correctly. If not, we need to stop what we're doing <laughs> because there is only one possible answer. Yes, it's Operation Payback Dan. It's Dan. I'm going to count yeah. this. Yeah. I mean, I was going to go with Dan, <laughs> and I was like, no, the perfect answer is Operation Payback Dan, because this is what Elucifer is actually obsessed with. But he, it is Dan. True, true. It is Dan. It's the same it is thing. Dan. Same thing. Yay. Which puts us at seven of 12 matches. Go Ooh. us. For the facts and funs, we have our three classical ones. We have fifth-time director Greg Beeman. Previous episode was the Sinbin. This is his last one. It's been a while since Sinbin. That was season three, right? Uh, I think yeah. so, yeah. Eighth-time writer Mike Costa gave us this amazing episode. We love Mike Costa. We love Mike Costa. Previous episode was Diabla. One more episode by him to come. This is always making me so sad. The title, of course, is said by Lucifer finally putting him in the 50% margin with six titles of 12 episodes. We are still ahead of him. Good job us. Yes, we are still ahead of him, but at least he breached the magic border of 50%. So that's a passing grade so far. We'll see how it continues. This is also the first time in the entire show that the F-bomb gets dropped and it was very deliberate and it is fucking perfection. It's so good. <laughs> We have some very IMDb references, so let's see where they end up. The episode makes reference to two movies by David Fincher, Seven from 1995 and The Game from 1997. When Dan is driving with a prisoner through the desert, she asks, what's in the box? A clear reference to the ending of the movie Seven. Furthermore, the whole intricate plot where the main character is thrown back and forth through insanity and dragged from one place to the next only to find out in the end was all a trick mirrors the plot of the game where in the end the main character also finds out it was all a crude birthday trick set up for him by his brother. Spoiler alert, I guess. So I have not watched the game. Have so you I lost the game? Uh, speak on that. <laughs> oh no. Now we've lost the game. And everyone who listens to us. You're welcome. I did not fact check the next one, so we're just going to believe it. The three Lux employees in Lucifer's selfie with Dan also appeared twice in the opening number of Lucifer, who's the new king of hell. They were the dancers on top of the bar in Lux and later three of the dancing detectives in the precinct. Ooh. So recurring side stars or whatever, apparently. I did not double check that. And lastly, as Lucifer points out in the end, he included so many Easter eggs 
from our previous adventures. Did you spot them all during his prank? There are several very obvious ones. There are some not so obvious. If you want to know everything about them, you need to listen to The Devils in the Details because I went into two pages of possible, probable and definite Easter eggs for this episode. They are excellent, I can confirm. Okay. And this concludes this week's facts and funs. Okay. Well, since this episode technically only has one character I'm interested about and I care about, the previously on Lucifer is also going to be quite different. Dan was tricked by Michael into seeing Lucy's devil face and even though he's been coping surprisingly well thus far, at first Michael got in his head and he tried to shoot Lucy dead in front of Chloe. That's it. That's all I wrote. Also, he has been struggling with the fact that he slept with God's ex-wife. Is fighting a very deep depression. He's been a bit cold lately towards Lucifer and bracelet bros haven't been what they used to be. Yes. We start with a wonderful wake up moment, which actually also mirrors the welcome back Charlotte Richards. In that episode, we also have her waking up and go through her morning routine. And they both work out. The morning routine of Dan was also part of the whiteboard in Operation Payback Dan. Oh, interesting. Why? It was just like morning routine on the... Ah, so because he was stalking him so he could know where to hit hardest. Yes. We do get a great song to go with that beautiful montage called Walk a Mile by Holly Golightly. What a name. Walk a Mile by Golightly. In Dan's place, we have all the weaponizer posters, we have motivational posters, we have more movie posters, which are actual references to Lucifer and other movies. There's a Deadpool reference in there, in case you missed it. I have. The Zamboni, he's gonna put you on ice permanently, is a reference to Deadpool 1. Wow, I have missed that. I feel ashamed. Terrified and ashamed. Well, it's hard to spot in this scene. It's easier to see later when Dan and Mace are sitting at the table. Okay, at the table. And, of course... We have this perfect moment where he's looking in the mirror and there's this post-it note with only you control your destiny, which is like, actually, not well, in this actually. episode. <laughs> so that made me extremely happy. This, the intro into this episode is fucking perfection and I love everything about this episode. It's good. It's very good. You can see the struggle and it made me a little sad for him because in a sense that you watch him go through the motions, it kind of feels like because he is getting himself ready to turn himself on for work and there's nobody else around so you can actually see his true face and how he's feeling. So that was beautiful and, and greatly done and yeah, there's nothing else to say. I have been sad for Dan quite a long while. Uh, oh yeah, obviously. But you know, one last thing to say. Dan, mood. That's it. That's all of it. Oh. We go into the precinct and Lucifer is watching Dan so closely. Like he says that he watched him for 10 minutes or something. It's like... That in itself is already a huge red flag. Yeah. That Lucifer is taking that much time to pay attention to Dan. You don't want that. Should freak Dan the fuck out. Yeah, you don't want that. Unless your name is Chloe Decker, you don't want Lucifer to pay attention to you for that long. You just don't. Yeah. 
So that was very, very well done. Of course, we have a perfect conversation with the Dan is not really feeling it, with the sort of funny, kind of clever insults. I mean, hey, Ouch. in fairness, at least he admits that they're sort of clever, you know? Yeah, but still. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. And of course, we get some perfect foreshadowing in this moment, since Lucifer literally says, don't be coming to me for any favors. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fast forward like five minutes. Lucifer. <laughs> I need a favor. And I have a favor. I will never go to you to a fa- for a favor. Two minutes later. Lucifer. <gasps> yeah. It's great. No, I love this conversation. It's amazing to watch Dan not participating in the dance that they normally do. It shifts the dynamic a little bit. And Lucifer shows this way that he actually cares about Dan by trying to engage with him and being very persistent with the uh, wanting to engage, wanting to have some sort of an interaction. I think that speaks of Lucifer's love for Dan greater than anything else that we've seen so far, except for the wearing the bracelet. True. Also, Chloe calls it out quite literally. Chloe requires Lucifer to give Dan some time to cope because, you know, she reminds him, remember what I did when I found out I ran away to Rome or to Europe for a month and stuff. And Lucifer just straight up refuses to. So at this moment, I was slightly convinced that he was going to end up going to Mexico with Dan, (laughs) which I think would be also hilarious. But the way it ends up going is actually so much better. (laughs) Not gonna lie. This episode is so fucking hilarious. Dan gets the file and Chloe stops him because she's like, have you checked whose name is in this file? Like who the other officer is? And the way she says Luis Navarro, I was like, should we actually remember that name? Like, has it come up before? No, it hasn't. Mm -mm -mm. So this is not something that we could have known. Yes. And Dan, of course, has to go and jinx it because he says, I've got it under control. (gasps) No, Daniel, you do not. Famous last words. Don't worry, I got it under control. Uh, He, in fact, did not have it under control. Yes, that sounds about right. I kind of really liked the concern that Chloe has for Dan and the way she frames it as well. I know that I'm not your mother or your wife, but I am still your friend because they do have beautiful friendship and they still are co-parents to Trixie so it's only understandable that she really really cares about Daniel so it was just a really nice moment between the two of them with these last words Dan sets on his journey to Tijuana and as he is driving through the desert desert we get a song that I have been unable to find unfortunately it is one of the Spanish songs in the episode it is very good, but it is not on our playlist. So if you know it, let us know. We stay on the road very, very shortly. Quickly, we transition over into the bar. And the bar is called La Axila. Do you know what La Axila means? No, I do not. Tell me. The armpit. Oh my god. I expected something poetic and then I get the armpit. <laughs> Sounds like my so, life. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just perfect that... He meets Louise in the armpit and everything goes to shit. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, could, they couldn't they could call it the butthole or something. So, Same yeah. thing. Um, 
in this context. And Luis calls Dan Danimal, which I think is oh, like the it. best nickname ever. I hate it Why so do you much. Hate I it refuse so to write it down. So funny. <laughs> Danimal. <laughs> Also, I really, really, really dislike Luis. Oh, like yeah. from the first time he's on screen, I'm like, no, I don't believe a single word you say. I do not trust you. You're a horrible person. Go away. Yeah, well, I mean, your instincts are correct. But we start off with very kind of a small, terrible thing before we uh, graduate to actual crime. And that is that Luis is trying to convince Dan to have a drink with him. Because the prisoner isn't ready yet there is a mix-up in paperwork it's gonna be until tomorrow morning sure that was not planned whatsoever now again i feel like mood done because you know how sometimes you go out and you're like i can't stay i can't even stay for a drink because if i do have one drink things are gonna go tits up it's gonna be so bad i'm gonna get so drunk and you're gonna unleash an animal and you don't want that Danimal. You're gonna unleash a Danimal and you don't want that. The thing is, whenever you say just one drink, it never is just one drink and it always escalates. Yeah. And especially in this moment, I just felt really hard for Dan because I have been in a situation like this so many times before when I actually wanted to, but I knew that the responsible thing to do is to go home and watch telly and go to sleep and pass out in front of a television or something like that. Adulting is hard. I know. (sighs) They start drinking. We sadly do not see how much they drink because there are no telling empty glasses standing on the table. We get a callback that I did not include in my devils in the details to Palmetto Street. True, true, because Luis starts asking questions about why Dan is a straight arrow now. And so, I mean, technically, this is not an Easter egg that Lucifer hid in the story because this is something Dan shares. But still, it's a very fitting callback. Dan here goes on a very honest monologue basically, mm-hmm. talking about like if you realized that God and the devil were real, everything would be worse. Because then he goes on to say, if God is like you and me, it means he's fallible, he makes mistakes. And if God can make mistakes, what does that say about the universe? How could anything even matter anymore? And I know you haven't watched it, but I just got to say, Daniel needs to watch Angel. <laughs> and then he would have an answer. I mean, he does find the answer later in the episode, but Angel said it better. We're going to come back to that when he has his closing monologue. Okay, okay, okay. Well, I have written down this monologue and the closing monologue also, so I'm glad that we're thinking the same things. But yeah, it's very interesting and it's something that I didn't think of before Daniel worded it. The fact that if the higher power is fallible, what is the point of trying to do the right thing? What is the point of doing anything if there is just chaos? And that is the point. Why? Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is a take that I didn't expect and I didn't expect it from Dan. And I love it. I love it because it introduces a different point of view for me. So I'm really enjoying this. I mean, now, so far, the show has led us to believe that God is all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful. But with Dan's viewpoint, we now have the assumption that, wait a moment, if God is jealous and losing the grip on his powers and everything, and 
basically fucking shit father and a dick. He is fallible. And that puts everything that dad has done in the past in a very different light for us as the viewer. Mm -hmm. So Daniel introducing this different concept that dad is not the almighty in the sense of the word, but just one of us, (laughs) basically. Just a stranger on a a bus? A stranger. Exactly. (sighs) How did I know? Gives weight to the whole, okay, maybe many, many of the things that we have accused dad of are actually things that he couldn't do because he is not all-knowing, all-powerful and all-present. So that is very interesting. However, he doesn't have to present himself as such, which he does. Oh, yeah, but, but if he's just an asshole because he's an asshole, it's different than if he has free choice because he is all everything yeah. and decides to be an asshole. No, you're absolutely right. So, yeah, love this. Love this for us. Then Lois reacts to this and says, well, if nothing really matters, why don't you do this with me? And introduces a, a very innocent crime as we could call it, with uh, stones and crystals. Healing crystals. Suggests that Dan could make some extra cash, which, you know, why not? Good boy Dan says no, he does not want to go into the fake healing crystals. Very proud of my boy. But then Benito shows up and he has tequila. My last note on this scene is, oh, Benito. Because that's the thing that I remembered was, I know what's going to happen to Benito in about 10 seconds. And 10 seconds later, we have the second time Dan wakes up in this episode, because that's going to be a thing. And he wakes up with an arm draped over him. Yeah, it's a very, very... There's blood. Oh, no, it's just a it's just a hug. He's just hugging him. No, there's blood. <laughs> the arm belongs to Benito. And Benito is dead. And I just need to say... Da, da, da. Did Dan not check his pulse or anything? I don't think that if you wake up... Completely hungover after... He's a, bo- a cop! Well, you wake up three hours... He's slow- a cop! Well, yes, okay, he should have, but he we have uncovered that he's clearly not a very good at his job. I mean, he's not in his right mind. He's sometimes not that good at his job. But seriously, Dan, everything would have been spared for you if you had made sure the dude was actually dead because he wasn't. To quote a character in this episode, Dan is very predictable. Yeah, we get the title card 10 minutes in and then we have a naked Dan running into the bar. Is he already afraid? I say yes because because he was so afraid he didn't check the pulse. So... Naked and afraid, Dan. Already happening. We get a title drop much, much later. We are pretty sure that Dan got roofied Roofied, by Luis, which is very, very bad. Very bad, And so I wondered, of course, who killed Benito in like the the setting. Mm. And now we have another callback because now we learn about the Russian mob in LA. And Dan already had dealings with the Russian mob in LA, of course. Yeah, that he did. Do you think Luis knew that? I'm pretty sure Lucifer knew that because Mace is in on the joke. And this is why this is part of the story. So this, in my opinion, is the deliberate placement. Agree. And once again, I have to say, I do not trust Luis. I do not like Luis. Go away. Yeah, I was getting into cups, all cups in here. And I was, do you know what? Like, I knew that this was a setup rewatching this, but I was trying to be impartial. And I know that I haven't realized it was a setup until a little bit later in the episode when I was watching the first time. So at this stage, I was like, okay, not good, not good. 
And Louis seems to be way deep into this crime. And we did not want him to drag Dan, our lovely, lovely Dan, down. It's just way too convenient after Dan tells him no. Now suddenly he has a wife and a kid and he needs to protect them. And because Dan is a family man, he's going to help him. But... That being said, I do love the fact that Daniel is holding on to his own morals. So even though he decides to help with a crime, he is doing it with good intentions and with very much, I want to help my friend in mind and I will make sure that I will not cross the line in a way. Because to him, dropping off money... As illegal it may be technically, it's not actually hurting anybody. He's just helping a friend from getting hurt. And as I keep saying, intentions don't matter, only end results. And so his intentions didn't matter because he fucking will get T-boned in a second. And that's the point. You can have the greatest intentions. What is the way to help with good intentions? Um, yeah. Well. So... I have absolutely no understanding there. He should have made Luis either come with him or take his family with him to protect them. He should not have gone along, but he is predictable because he is trying to be helpful and whatever. He's trying to be a good guy. We go onto the road. We have was in a box. Sadly, we don't have it in that inflection, but we have the transfer prisoner in the back seat, and she's like, what's in the box? Obviously, he's not gonna tell her, but she realizes, because she's in on it, that something's up, and she pokes him just right, and I absolutely love it when she goes, we all got our demons, and he goes, yeah, working with the devil, like, oh yeah, cocaine, like, no, not cocaine, I'm like, okay? That working with the devil is a synonym for sniffing coke now? Um, yeah, of course. Did not know that. The devil, the drag. So I very much enjoyed that. I kind of expected something like in season one with the she going, we all got our demons and Dan going, yeah, I know one who tends the bar or something to have another callback. But that didn't happen. So I was a bit disappointed. Aww. It was such a nice setup. But we did have a beautiful kind of a very heavily shoot in commenting on uh, God. Not only she brings up devil and cocaine and stuff, she brings up God and she starts talking about, oh, you know, I found my way back and I found God and God really helped me get back to this. And does like, oh, no, 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 I found God and he is not who you think you are. And I love these little things in this conversation. So that's great. He says, yeah, I've met God. He's not who you think he is. Also, he exploded me. And so we get the confirmation that Dan remembers what Dad did to him, which makes it so much worse. Yeah. Like it was hinted at because he was so shocked after it. But this just made it so much worse to me that we now have like spoken confirmation that he remembers. Poor, poor Dan. Also, fuck you, Dad. Yes. Fuck God. Fuck the church. But she ends the conversation with a perfectly timed sentence. Life has a way of blindsiding you. Which might have been a cue so the car knows when exactly to... Do you think she had a bug or something? I don't know. The car might have had. So... Mm, Possible. Now that I know everything is a setup and who is part of it, I just assume everything is 
planned and communicated and But monitored no, and tracked. There is actually a great point. And I think it's a very good chance. There is a good possibility of this actually being truth. So yay. Yay for Lina to figure, for figuring out stuff. Yay. Also, Lucifer loves shit like that. Like, true. True. Commenting the obvious yeah. words. So then when Dan wakes up, Again. For the third time. We get the little close-in on the car and we are watching the graffiti and up on the window and then we realize that part of the X is on Dunn's forehead and that's so funny to me. It was one of the most hilarious bits in the episode that the window is cracked slightly open and they just ignored it and sprayed his fucking face. It's so funny. When they funny. Moss X on it. Ah, so good. So really, really well done. But also this is the first concussion for Dan mm -hmm. in this episode. We're counting wake-ups and concussions. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Well, he comments at the end of the episode how many concussions he got. Um, True. So just making sure if he counted correctly or if we are missing some. Yeah. And of course he realizes prisoner gone, box gone, car broken. Fuck. And then very Western style like we have a car approaching and you're not sure in the first few seconds like tinted windows and everything. Is it gonna be good guys? Like who's coming up here? It's gonna be Louise. Like who's gonna be it? And they roll down the window. And who is it? Yes, and, and it's Ryan. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I didn't write down his name. Ryan. But in this moment, I was like, and I'm pretty sure that was when I was watching it the first time as well. I was like, what the fuck are the chances of this happening? It's impossible. This has to be a setup. So if I wasn't sure, I was definitely suspicious at this point because what the fuck are the chances? Of course, Ryan is good people. And also in on the joke, so he goes, do you need some help? Yes. And? He gets into the car. So it feels very much like an improv scene as he is getting into the car. He asks to be dropped off. Where? Well, at the penthouse. So as we are sliding right in there, we are watching Lucifer sitting at his piano and playing a beautiful song. A very innocent sounding song and yeah. not something Lucifer typically plays on the piano not as far as we've seen him it is the piano sonata number 16 in C major allegro by Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart and if you want to know all the details about that you need to listen to the devils in the music for this week where Vero struggles a lot with the Austrian and Latin words but teaches us all about Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart as much as I dared to put in I try to find a little funny bits for you and I to try to find actual facts so hopefully it's a nice mix of both Lucifer is so surprised not by Dan showing up <laughs> and of course this is now the perfect moment for Lucifer to be absolutely smug since Dan has come to ask him for a favor And the way he loves at him is so, so wonderful. And we get our callback number three here because Lucifer deliberately says, losing a woman in your care, Daniel, happened before, hasn't it? Which, of course, is a reference to Bo Normal, which makes that episode once more confirmed canon. Yay! Always makes me happy when they confirm it as a canon. Oh, yeah. So before they continue to actually try to make that favor happen, Lucifer says, I am not your muscle. And I'm like, Lucifer, you're Chloe's muscle. I get it. Yeah. But also, you're the whole package. I'm glad that you're not 
just putting yourself out there as a muscle. Before we leave the penthouse, Dan has a epiphany, basically, that he thinks God might be behind this. And Lucifer can answer in all honesty, God is not behind this because Lucifer is behind this. True. I love, he's completely honest with him. Yes, he makes sure for the rest of the episode he's not really around him so he doesn't have to lie. Or deflect rather, yeah. Excellent. This is so fucking perfect and I absolutely love it. We leave the penthouse and we want to go to the bike shop. But before we get there, we see Dan's face and he washed his face. There is no more X on his forehead. Yay, he washed his face. I'm very happy for him. Good for Dan. As we head to the bike shop, though, we get a song by JSTAR. It is a YouTube-only song and it's called Muchas Botella. Which translates to... A lot of bottles? I don't know. What? Muchos... What's the second word? Muchos botella. Yeah, botella is a bottle. I was right on. It's many bottles. Muchas botella. Mm-hmm. Okay. First, we watch Dan making his way on the premises, which is absolutely hilarious, if you ask me. And we see an empty doghouse, which is not good. Not good. So he first starts climbing over the fence and his foot gets caught on top of the fence and he just downs it on his back which is like that's not great Dan I hope you're okay and your spine is okay but he gets up and he passes the empty doghouse it must have been deliberate that when he goes in there is no dog in the doghouse when he comes out there's now a dog do you know what I think? I think that the dog didn't care about him on the way in, but in the box there was meat. The dog is in on it because we see the dog at the very end yeah. at the bar. So the dog knew his part. Chucho was trained well enough. Exactly. He was hiding on the way in. Or was he even there? Such a good puppy. Dan is the worst burglar ever. He bumps into Everything. the back door, gets inside and causes a massive loud noise. It's excellent. It's so good. I wonder how he survived for such a long time as a corrupt cup. Because if he was this bad... Because Malcolm was smart. Fair. Fair enough. And once Malcolm was in a coma, he wasn't as crooked anymore. Yes. And then he turned his life around. So not that much opportunity to bungle it up. We cut over into the inside of the shop. And I kind of do wonder, did Lucifer really not realize that this was not a motorbike shop, but a bicycle bike shop? I mean, he says that, so... So it must be true, true. right? Which, of course, lends more weight to your theory that this crew was not in it from the very beginning. Yeah. So it is curious. We're probably going to have like a multi-layered question for this episode Mm -hmm. if it's Mm going to end up on the list. He engages with them... And I was wondering, does he really not know how to ride a bike? Because he says it wouldn't be the first time I buy something I don't know how to use. And then you have the whole conversation. Not everyone had their dad around to teach them how to ride a bike. Mm. So does Lucifer really not know how to ride a bicycle? I don't think that it necessarily needs to be specifically about a bicycle. I think that he just finds these so redundant. No, but he says he doesn't know to use, which implies he wouldn't know how to ride this. Yeah, maybe it's just because it just looks so fucking weird. But uh, no, that is a bit of a reaching from my side, I admit. So yeah, I would not be surprised. Another notch in your 
more part of the theory is also that Lucifer is once again projecting his own issues while actually being on mission and getting kind of distracted by it while still using it to his advantage. So actually kind of curious if you might be right or not. But he starts, (laughs) he basically inadvertently starts a group therapy session before we cut over back. Which is amazing, isn't it? Good. We go back to Dan into the back of the shop and he is trying to break into the cage to get the box. The cage! But somebody else shows up, so Daniel hides. With a key, apparently. He just unlocks the thing. No, I think that the person has the tool, these tools, I don't know how it's called in real life. You really think he has a lockpick and is that quick? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think he's just that good and Dan is just that bad. I think it was made deliberately this way so we can see the comparison between the inability of Daniel to pick a lock. I thought the dude had the key and Dan is just too stupid to notice because the dude is also in on it. (laughs) Or, yeah, that could be also the option. option like for there sure. are so many potential outs for dan that he misses they would also play into your theory because he could only have the key if the lost exes were already in on it exactly see now we briefly cut back into the front of the shop to see a thing that i have called a sharing circle yes. without actually remembering the circle that's gonna happen in a second <laughs> So this is where we get the, oh, no, my dad did this and my dad was my jailer and, you know, these things where they start sharing and then we go back in the back. In the actual back with Dan having the box, going to the gate. And now there's a puppy in the doghouse. A little cute puppy. Little baby. He's a pretty. It's so cute. It's a German Shepherd. Yeah. It's so pretty. But Dan is not a fan of dogs and he's also not good with dogs. We cut back to the shop. The actual sharing circle is commencing. Lucifer has the <gasps> beautiful moment where he kisses the top of the bald head. Yeah. It's so, so sweet. And it's so nice to see Lucifer using the tools that Linda used on him, on other people around him. But sadly, we hear the dog noises. We hear Dan being like, good doggy or something. So the circle is broken. Do you remember how in the Bloody Karaoke Celestial Jam, we had that cut where we were hearing Lucifer saying the same thing that we saw him uh, the scene earlier, you know, where we're doing the this is happening at the same time thing. It feels like this is happening at the same time as Dan is trying to climb the fence because he says the same thing. Probably, says, yeah. Oh, good doggy, good doggy. And it's just something that kind of clicked with me when I was watching it. But yeah, he runs back and I don't know if his jeans were torn and no. his legs scratched beforehand. No. I agree. This is what I thought. And Lucifer refuses to give him the keys from his car. He has to take a bike. Of course he has to. Lucifer is not going to let him drive his car. You're fucking crazy. No. Dan takes the bike. And Lucifer says, I will take them on. And another notch in my theory is that we don't actually see him fight them. So he can say, I will take them on without actually punching them because then he will just have another group hug, which is also taking them on. Aww. I'm not sure about that because then we have the brief cut back at them and they, they kind of like jump back a little bit. And I think that Lucifer just flashes his devil's eyes yeah, on them. But this could also this be like, why... oh, they didn't realize how he did that because like people will rationalize everything. That's true. Yeah, it could go both ways I... again. 
But as Dan is riding the bike down the street, we get a great song. No, that's not that song. That should have been the song. I think that would be hilarious. It's a song by River City Tanlines, and it's called, wait for it, Devil Made Me Do It. Oh my God. And one of my favorite moments of the entire episode happens right now where he's writing down and we see the corner of the box getting red and starts leaking down and he's so kind of preoccupied by that that he runs into a car. and That deliberately stopped to stop him. So... Oh, I thought it was just a junkyard car. No, no, no. It's like on the pathway. So it must have driven oh. there, stopped and then he... I completely missed that. Anyway, he runs over a car and we get concussion number two. Not sure if that is a concussion there. I don't think he landed. I mean, he loses his consciousness for a second, right? No, he wakes up after that. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. Because so he crashes with the bike. I don't think he hits his head there. Then he looks up and he has Lewis and Gay looking down on him with... You never He doesn't hit his head. He hits he hits somebody else's head. Basically, exactly, because then Luis goes, You never look in the box. And while that is being said, Dan lying on the street sees the severed head of Benito, which I didn't recognize, truth be told. And so what? I have to say technically, Dan didn't look in the box, the content of the box came out to be looked at. It wanted to be looked at. Exactly. It needed the attention. And then he gets knocked out, which is concussion number two. True. And fair. That leads us to waking up number four at Dan's place. Yeah. My first note is, oh, this isn't going to end well. And my second note is, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. So uh, this is about where we were, because I did not remember exactly what, what was about to happen, but I knew it was not good going to be good. Oh, I remembered everything about this episode because I already enjoyed it so, so fucking much when we watched it the first time. Mm. I don't have much in this scene except Louise complaining that Dan only has kombucha is such a mm-hmm. perfect Dan quality. Of course, he only has kombucha. Yeah. And when he leaves at the very end of the scene, he says, get some lacrosse or something. And that's a mm-hmm. water brand because I didn't know what that was. So I looked it up. Otherwise, this is a very good scene to notice a few bits and pieces in Dan's place. For example, some of the movie posters are easier to spot here. Some of the motivational mm-hmm. posters as well. Also, obviously, we have a callback number four mm-hmm. matching with number four of the wake-ups, Dan being poisoned and a criminal holding the antidote is an obvious parallel to what happened to Chloe. Hey. And that is honestly everything that I have on this scene. Like Because I hate Louise so much. <laughs> it feels like a quite smart move on the part of a criminal. Too smart for Louise. To have somebody, <laughs> to have some... I was kind of surprised that he was smart, but... I mean, he's not. It's Lucifer's plan, yeah. so... But to have somebody threatening somebody else's life to get them to commit crime, but once they they commit the crime, there's no way out anymore. It's terrifying and it's horrible and it's a way I believe a lot of people get broken and thrown into a life like that. So you... You for the realism, but also I mean, in this case, Dan has the perfect opportunity, but he goes in the wrong direction. We go into the precinct and Dan is meeting up with Ella. And Ella was so fidgety that was like, oh my God, is she in on this? 
I thought she wasn't. And it's like, oh, fuck, yeah, she's writing her fucking novel. I completely forgot that part. <laughs> but the thing is, Dan goes to Ella not to ask about the poison, but to ask how to perfectly fake a murder. And that is so stupid. Yeah. Because had he come to her, yo, girl, tell me about poison XYZ. Is there an antidote? Can you make it? And mm-hmm. could you make it in less than X hours? This was, for me, the biggest way out that Dan didn't take. Because she has yeah. covered for him before and she would have covered for him again if he had talked to her. True. And I think that this was the moment where Lucifer's plan could have the easiest fallen yeah. apart. Because unless, unless he would have decided to do damage control and get Ella in on the plan itself. Oh no, Ella could not pretend for the life of her. So it makes sense to not introduce her into the plan. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. in my opinion, this was the weakest spot of the plan. And this exactly. is the only part where I blame Dan for not getting out. This is the only time Lucifer actually got really lucky. Everything else was predictable and expected. Maybe the two concussions helped Hmm. with Dan not thinking clearly. Yeah, this is maybe why everybody was hitting him in in a head all the time. Just to make sure that he's off his game. Yeah. We get, of course, callback five to Boo Normal again with the novel that Ella is writing about the forensic scientist who sees ghosts. Also, somewhat please pay more attention to Ella because the way she describes the main character, which is her, mm. super cheerful mm. but really tortured, is like, okay, people, can you it maybe yeah. pay attention and help someone who's struggling? So yeah, yeah, that's really painful. But this is dance episode. Listen to so Ella. I'm okay. Yeah, okay. Well, we're getting at least one of those two that we have been yelling about for a while. So, exactly. You know. Also, she... Don't Horace gift mouse mouse. Yeah, absolutely. Stuff. Also, she enjoys very much the opportunity to give notes to Dan how to pull off the perfect fake murder. And I love that he's taking notes. Yes. Yeah. I think it's actually a pretty decent idea of Dan to go with. I mean, obviously, asking about the poison would have been better. It's the second best. It's the second best. So... You know, going around it and trying to make sure that he's gonna get from underneath Louise's thumb and survive, you know, without actually killing anybody. So he heads over to the cabin. We meet Svetlana. Oh my god, I feel so sorry for her. I'm so glad she's in on it. She's incredible. Yeah, she's so funny. I know this actress. I didn't look up from where I know her, but I definitely know her. Oh, I didn't know her. And imagine, imagine that you are a bookkeeper to Russian mob and somebody shows up at your door telling you this story of, oh, I've been sent to kill you, but don't worry, I don't want to kill you. And starts dragging out like, oh, look, I have the hamburger meat and I have this and that and this is a fake pig blood and everything. Girl, I would do exactly the same thing. He is so bad at this and I am just appalled. I mean, like I said, yes, he got hit in the head several times. So maybe that's the explanation. But I, good for her that she's in on it yeah. because otherwise she would be fucking traumatized. Yes. At least like her reaction makes sense to me. And also her reaction gives us concussion number three and wake up number five. Oh my God. I didn't actually count the wake ups. So now I'm like, I did. Holy shit. I did because that's what I'm here for. I'm numbers person. He wakes up and just like in Boo Normal, once again, he lost the female he was supposed to be watching and his car. (laughs) Because she took his car. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were walking. Oh, yeah. That's true. I didn't realize (laughs) it. His car, by the way. 
I did not expect Dan to have a car like that when he drove in. So it was I like, didn't okay, pay attention good for you, Daniel. pay attention. I'm so bad when it comes to cars. I just so don't care. It was blue and it was pretty. More than I noticed. So, Golvero, he realizes he has no car. He gets out his phone. I kind of expected the phone to be dead again. But no, it's not dead. He makes a call. I was like, okay, wait, wait, wait. I know who's calling. Fuck yeah, he's calling a man at you. I mean, he couldn't exactly call Lucifer. Yes, he could have. Well, he could have, but I don't think Lucifer would come pick him up. Oh, no, absolutely not. So, you know, if he needed a ride. What I didn't understand is Amenadiel finds him super, super quick, but he tells him that his directions need work because they were really bad and there were so many like, mm. similar buildings. Then how did he find him so fast? Mm. Either the directions were bad or they were good enough because he found him this fast. Well, maybe he was just flying super fast. Or was the call like a prayer and he could zoom in on that? Possibly, maybe. But then you don't need better directions. You just need better praying. So aim stalking <laughs> shit as usual. I was very confused why Dan did not tell Amenadiel what was going on. Yeah, it made sense to me because I think he was already struggling, including Lucifer. But at this point, he believes that he is about to die and that he has no way of fixing things because Mace comes to him on her own accord because she's in on a joke. So he has no hope, no way out, no options, no nothing. Mm. In that hopelessness I kind of would talk to my fucking angelic friend and be like yo dude mm. I'm in serious trouble so that is why I was surprised yeah. I mean he creates the excuse with Mace later on he just doesn't want to get them involved Amenadiel is a fucking angel is a dumb excuse he's invulnerable so yeah. not really believing that I get that story wise it would not work any other way yeah Do does Dan know that uh, Ames is invulnerable he knows Lucifer is and Lucifer and Ames are does he yeah he shot oh, yeah, him he does <laughs> Which of is course, what triggered yeah. the entire episode, Vero. So I assume that he can like extrapolate, oh, one angel is invulnerable, the other probably as well. But before we go to the next scene, Dan finally makes his point come across to Menadiel that he's actually just looking for a ride. And Uber Menadiel is just <laughs> the best thing ever. It makes me so incredibly happy the way Ames just puts his hands up. For, like, he doesn't pick Dan up. No, 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 no. Yeah. Dan has to jump into his arms. And yeah, it's incredible. It's oh so funny. Oh my God, it made me so ridiculous. He's so happy. not happy with the situation. Oh, I love it. So Dan, of course, has flown Angel Airlines before. And he tells Amenadiel uh, what to expect of his reactions, which is very cute. And of course, another yep. callback. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know, kind of smart from Dan to call Ames because as we all know, who have ever heard anything about LA, the traffic sucks. So the quickest way to get home would be via air. And since he doesn't have a helicopter and only has an angel, even better. Daniel makes it home and who waits for him there? It's the perfect person. Mazakin, who just found out that she possibly maybe has a soul. Growing one. Or is currently growing a soul. And has history with Dan. And has a soft spot for Dan. And is a fucking demon. So, a perfect person to talk to about this entire situation. Which, luckily, Dan hears after Mace pointed out I mean, she makes it very, very clear that he better be sharing. Otherwise, she might just give him a, his fourth concussion. 
his numbers are correct. He says that he has three concussions in the last six hours. We did the counting. He is right. And yes, they definitely did not help his mental capabilities. Mental state. We do have callback number seven. Mace references the time they killed a guy together, which actually is kind of a running mm. gag in Lucifer because Mace has repeatedly referred to this in the past and then reacts the same way every single time. We didn't kill a guy together we just made sure some bad people found him so yep. that is very very well done but technically in Maze's eyes oh yeah she's right I'm with her they killed a guy like no yeah. argument well I'm not with her I'm I'm with Dan <sighs> whatever helps with sleep at night mm-hmm but Dan ends up actually sharing with Mace under one condition and that is that Mace won't laugh which Mace laughs I love her laughter. They don't have Maze laughing nearly enough on the show, I think. I absolutely love it when she's when she's laughing. Perfect. Yeah. In this scene, from the beginning till the end of the scene, you finally have the chance to make out the four posters that hang above Dan's kitchen table, which are the mm. plunge that people should remember. We have Return of the Leechman, even suckier. <laughs> yeah, title of your sex tape. <laughs> We have Bog Shark. The water turns red this winter. I feel like those are porn movies. No, Bog Shark we've seen before. Poster has been another episode. And we have the Zamboni. He'll put you on ice permanently. Once Mace is done with laughing, she actually thinks of a plan at the spur of a moment. Obviously not because she's already in on it. But Dan believes that she has the capabilities to think this up. In the heat of a moment. She would, though. She would. Um, Which I love that he has this much trust into her capabilities. Not that he has any other option, let's be honest. But still. You know, he's seen her work. I do not mistrust either that she wouldn't be able to come up with that. Also, before she leaves, she says, I'm only helping you because it's you. And I mean, I don't want to ship them, but it's very sweet. It is very sweet. And also she says, I'm going to tell them your name is Joe Stone. Joe Stone is cool. Yeah, because Dan Espinosa sounds like a cop, which, I mean, come on, let's call it callback number eight. Because Lucifer told Dan in a previous episode that everything about him screams cop. Truth. Let's head into the restaurant where Joe Stone meets the Russians. Hey, the Russians. I really like the Russians. All of them. All the dudes who are standing there. Yes, please. Do you think they're actors? No, I think they're actually Russians. I think those are people who owed Lucifer favors. As in Russian mobs? Yes. Great. Amazing. That makes it better. I'm pretty sure the gangsters are real. That Lucifer uses are all gangsters or former gangsters who owe him favors. Yep, that would make sense. So, absolutely love it. But the best part about the scene, obviously, is Linda. Linda. And oh my god, I was... When I learned about the concept of this episode and everything, I was like, oh my god, how can you put Linda in here? She can not be part of the plan she would never agree to this the way they included her in this with this classic trope of oh someone is undercover and then someone recognizes them and they have to somehow play it off and the easiest way is the punch me in the face mm-hmm. and of course you expect her to slap him she straight up punches him with a closed fist it's so funny <laughs> <laughs> I adore that woman so much. Of course, oh. 
the whole like what are the chances but also it makes absolute fucking sense that Linda is going every Tuesday yes she goes to this fucking random obscure Russian because buffet place Pierogis. it's so Linda it's amazing it's amazing then, how they managed to do that and the second she properly catches on she sells it even more by stalking up to him again and pouring the water in his face this is what you did to yep me. And it's so off. great. It's oh, so yeah. great. Mistresses are like KGB. <laughs> it's it's my favorite comparison of the episode. <laughs> Meddle in everything, torture you forever. He's not wrong. I know, that's what makes it funny. It's funny because it's true. <laughs> and we get to say that because of where you yes. live. Perfect. And where you, where you live. Of where you're from. Oh exactly. my god. Uh, no, this scene, I absolutely loved it. And I was very, very happy because this is the first win Dan gets in the entire episode so far. Yeah. This yeah. is the first time something goes right-ish. Because this could yeah. have gone so, so fucking bad. But thanks to Linda, he sold his role and he mm-hmm. secured the next step. Yes, of course, the Russians are in on the plot and it somehow would have been resolved. But this way it feels to Dan like, okay, I managed this okay. I did it good. Yeah. So I'm very, very happy for him, I have to say. I agree. So another moment I am happy for Dan is when I see him in that fucking suit in the penthouse. Which I have to say, Lucifer has had to have this suit prepared for Dan. Mm-hmm. Because he's way too tall for Dan, so he cannot give Dan one of his suits. Yes, I would agree on that. However, that being said, I'm pretty sure that we've seen identical suits on Lucifer before. Yes, but Lucifer did not like have a seamstress in the closet fix that suit while Dan was there. So no, no, no. Lucifer uh, d- having he... a fitted suit for Dan ready mm-hmm. should be another big red flag for Dan. Isn't that what Dan says when he puts it on and he says something like Oh, I would never have guessed that it would fit me or something like that, right? Yeah, but that is not... It's like a throwaway line. That is not Dan catching on to this huge red flag. It's like a, it's like a throwaway line that he does. It's like, you are so close, dude. It's like, how, so close. how can you not see it? Please. Before we go down, Lucifer has a heart-to-heart talk with mm. Dan. Part of that is, of course, that Lucifer is not going to be down there because mm-hmm. he is equipping Dan with everything. And Dan is very, very worried. And then Lucifer, who doesn't lie, says, the plan is going to work perfectly. Yes, Lucifer's plan, just not the plan he discussed with Daniel. Exactly. And it's amazing. This is, again, just like in the beginning, like it's definitely not dad meddling with you. Yes, of course, it's true. Again, and I absolutely adore this because it's so much fun when you rewatch this episode and you have all these layers because Lucifer never fucking lies and it's just the best. So, ah... And also when he says, like, he says something along the lines with, it's all about who can act tough when basically everyone down there is going to be an actor. And mm. also that there's not going to be any actual violence because it's all going to be fake violence. So there's so yeah. many tiny tidbits that are all true. Yes. And it's just mm, fucking chef's kiss. It's amazing. Yeah. And now we go into Lux, into our final scene. Do we have a song going into Lux? No. No, 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 no. We go there in absolute silence. Shokef. We always have a song. 
And as we walk in there, it is revealed to us that not only Lucifer prepared all the other gangs, but he brought Dan's improv friends as his posse to be a dance crew. And as much as I hate improv, they are playing their role perfectly, but only if you look at it from the meta point of view, because they're so bad. Oh, I love Ryan and the others. Like, everyone came prepared. But like, so over the top. Yes. So over the top. Throwing Ryan's head away with him going, hey, it's a rental. Oh my god, I absolutely And like, why would you... It. You're supposed to be someone's crew. Why do you have a fucking... Cigar. Cigar. Yes, because and you're a stuff. tough dude. No, I absolutely fucking And then the other it. person... The other person in the background is... Keep meddling with the chain. Yes, the chain's waiting. And it's just like... Dude, have you watched... Have you looked up on Google... 1952 they gangster movie and Italian westerns basically yes it's so bad it's incredibly I bad love it. but I love it yeah there's no time for Dan to fix anything because before he gets to sort this out Luis shows up of course he does we have this perfect acceptance happening in Dan because Luis goes like and Dan goes yes and this is my crew which is like fucking finally Dan is back in improv and that made me really really happy because it was very unhealthy for Dan when he quit improv Mm -hmm. he should not have quit improv it would have been better for his mental health yeah exactly improv is a great tool for something like that especially for Dan especially if you're struggling with something massive like that also especially for Dan in the past this has been his outlet he should not have stopped doing it so I'm very very happy that he is now embracing it again of course we have all the escalation the Russians show up Ryan gets very overzealous in his role I'm just like Ryan don't (laughs) and we have the flannel crew show up we have the Russians and they all kind of wear like a uniform type of a thing it's hilarious and over the top and this is when I was like 100% this is a setup (laughs) 100,000% this is not real and Dan goes on this massive explosion of when everybody just aiming aims at each other Dan goes into this frenzy of I know it can seem like things just happen and we don't have any control over oh, them right. like there's no order or meaning but if the world is senseless and random well then all we can do is what we think is best and this is the second monologue that is kind of ending the circle of Dan struggling with the chaos that he has learned about divinity and everything and this is exactly what he needed to realize to be able to cope absolutely I was just very confused that the improv group also has guns I did yeah yeah because uh, props right yeah but the first reaction is like did Lucifer give them action guns because you think it's funny so uh, <laughs> oh that would be hilarious and then the speech happens and as I said in the beginning of the episode Daniel needs to watch Angel because Angel did it so much better with if nothing we do matters all that matters is what we do which is the same sentiment just much shorter and precise so fair I have that on a t-shirt and then he does the great speech it works it works yeah until until there's always an until mm-hmm. and then the lost because exes because this plan has to work lost exes the, like, come lost exes showed in. up yo 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 where's the dude and then 
music starts playing. Mm -hmm. So just before the music starts playing, the dumbest shit happens. And that is Ryan not realizing that this is not an acting scene in a context of what we are currently still watching. What damn things. And there's, oh, yo, I've I've walked the yard with this dude over there and gets himself murdered immediately. Oh, my God. Which is what starts this entire shoot-a-thon. Yes, shoot-out! And we go with a song by Freddy Fender called Vaya con Dios. Which I'm gonna go reaching, putting on my IMDb head, is our next soft callback when Lucifer said to Dad, Vaya con you. Ah, nice, nice, nice. Well done. I can put on my IMDb hat. Ah. Yeah, you live in your IMDb hat. In this episode, I do. And like, seriously, we should all type it all up and just flood the entire it's episode with our trivia. Incredible, yeah. <laughs> so we have the shootout. And in this stage, I'm like, there's no way this is real. Yeah. There is just zero way this is real. They died too dramatically and everything. It's too dramatic. It's too perfect. And then... It's too Indiana Jones. Yeah, Mace takes the bullets. <gasps> oh my god. Russian mobster comes back to life to kill Louise. And it's like literally watching an old movie back in a day that, so where somebody comes back to life for the one shot so they can all be dead. It's like in Die Hard. And with this situation and the only surviving person is Dan, who is about to die because he's technically poisoned. Like, yeah, no. No, it just, the it just can't got be real. Stomped, so there is yes. no chance for him to find the antidote anymore. Then, last man standing. And of course, who shows up now? Enter it's Lucifer! Lucifer! And then Lucifer has another very, very nice speech. And the most important thing of the speech is, of course, when you're trying to do the right thing, people who don't deserve it end up getting shot. Yep. But and he's speaking about himself, obviously. Of course, but in, sadly in that moment... Which gets lost. Because Ryan wakes up because he couldn't hold it anymore. His arm was falling asleep. And then everybody else starts waking up and laughing and spitting blood. I absolutely adore Mace. It's, Mace is incredible. Uh, it's so fucking beautiful. And then lights go on, music starts playing, and a pudding pyramid is being rolled into the area. And the music that starts playing is I Got a Feeling by Black Eyed Peas, which was a contender for Devils in the Music because yeah. it's a great song and it reminds me of my childhood. I yes, yes, not childhood. No, not childhood. You're my not. Teenies. Yeah, you're not that young. Yeah, um, I'm older than that. <laughs> and. Yes, and. Yes, and we get a selfie. We get a selfie and Lucifer says, definitely framing that one. So we shall keep an eye out if we see that. Because yeah. we still do see the fucking mermaid picture in his penthouse. Yeah. It's still there. We also do have access to that selfie. That selfie really exists. Oh, Tom and actually it can took be found. that selfie. Yeah, yeah it can be found. It was posted by Ildi on her Instagram and her Twitter. Okay, I'm going to poke you so you can send it to me and then we can include it in the show notes. We will do that. Nice. So yeah, it's a, it's a really funny selfie. It's great. And then of course people show up. Benito is alive carrying his own head. The girl it's that so was in the back of the police car comes house that for a blind side. Mace of course being the most helpful one by handing Dan alcohol. <laughs> Immediately, yeah. <laughs> I have uh, made a note and I think I I kind of like how how the way I put it 
we get to see that no one was harmed in the process of this prank. Not even an animal because we see the puppy at the bar eating out of a bowl, which I absolutely adore. Oh, it's so cute. That makes me really, really happy. And then we have mm. an incredibly sweet moment between Mace and Dan because mm-hmm. Dan goes like, I really thought you died. And she goes like completely incredulous, like, did you really think I would take a bullet for you? And then she realizes he's kind of hurt by that statement. And yeah. she, she softens it. Well, not in the heart, at least. And then she kisses his... Not in the chest, yeah. And, and, and then she kisses his cheek and she goes away. And I'm just like, oh, they're such good friends. And that's where my momentary shipping ends because this is just <laughs> such beautiful friendship and it makes me very very happy so yeah before mace leaves dan behind she actually tells us who was and who was not involved in the prank oh yeah we know now that emenadiel linda ella and chloe were not involved and dan should call them immediately because they are probably concerned (laughs) and i say yes please call them call them soon So that is true. That is very true. And then we have the final dialogue of the episode, which is, of course, Lucifer and Dan sitting at the bar. And we get the title drop by Lucifer. Mm -hmm. Finally. Daniel Espinosa, Naked and Afraid. It's been a while since we had the title drop that late in an episode. Mm -hmm. Obviously for that. And I really feel that this conversation is unintentionally wholesome. Because on the superficial level it's like oh you're predictable and this is a revenge plot and blah 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 blah. but there are so many things in there with the the oafish optimism yes it sounds like an insult but you always try to do the right thing like you never give up and everything so lucifer says whenever you're given a choice you always at least try and do the right thing which i think that is like the biggest compliment we've ever seen him give to dan Even though it's not technically meant that way. I think he actually meant it as a compliment. He just didn't realize it. Because this is the thing. In the original, Lucifer is all about free will. And what is free will if not choice? Mm -hmm. And so this explicit, whenever free will is on the plate, Dan is one of the good ones, is... Actually, Mm -hmm. one of the biggest compliments Lucifer can pay someone based on like the the source material. And I know that the show is not even close based on those things. But with that in mind, it feels even more like a compliment. But mostly it is a compliment, in my opinion, because of the monologues that Dan had in the beginning at the end. If nothing we do matters, like if the world is senseless and random, etc. It's like, yeah. But we still have choices and we still can make the right choices and we can make the wrong choices. And he always tries to make the right choice. And he Mm -hmm. goes through that realization and he verbalizes that this helped him, that he somehow needed this and that he now feels better. And that is what makes this entire episode for me so perfect because I have complained in the past that he's always the butt end of the joke. And he was the butt end of the joke in this episode, but I have absolutely no problem with it because the result matters. And that is him feeling better, him being out of his hole, finding a way out of the depression and seeing something good about himself. And so I am fully on board with this. Yeah, Lucifer seemed to be slightly disappointed with the outcome and actually instead of taking a proper revenge on Daniel, actually helping him out. But I think that he is secretly pleased. And we get the last exchange of the entire episode when Daniel actually asks, why did you do this prank? And the last sentence of the episode is, because you fucking shot me, Daniel. And it's so perfect. I'm so happy they saved the first 
fuck for this moment. For a moment like this, yeah. Because it's so well-deserved. Which segues me perfectly into my final thoughts. Because this was an amazing episode. A lot of our dynamics got a little shaken lately with the whole revealing the divinity to Dan and a god coming for a visit business. So it kind of feels like they're setting it straight with this episode. I laughed the little tidbit with Ella, even though it was completely irrelevant to the rest of the episode. But the whole book and, and a little bit more information that we gotten on her, even though with that one sentence was really, really nice. I also think it's a great outlet for Ella to write a book. But most importantly, this episode feels like a love letter to Dan, which not only reminds Dan who he is, but it reminds us why we love him. And even though this whole thing was a joke on him, he is not a joke to us because he is an incredible person who always tries to do the right thing and we love him I absolutely love this episode I think this might be my all time favorite episode of the show so far I would slightly disagree this is not a love letter to Dan this is a love letter of the show for the show because we have about 5,000 callbacks in this episode which are all done so entertaining and lovingly and warmly and everything they also give center stage to my now straight up favorite character, which I'm always here for, obviously. But they still manage to give great moments to every single member of the cast, mm. which in other episodes has been lacking. But in this episode, everyone gets this shining moment. I mean, of course, Trixie is missing, but that is something we have come used to. <laughs> Like I said, I didn't have an issue with Dan being the butt of the joke because intent doesn't matter for me, results do. And the result is that he finds happiness and solace for himself from this experience, even though, they, like I said, Dad being mercifully absent is a bomb on my nerves. Yes. It's been too much complaining lately. And this was... From both of us, I yes. mean. And this was basically the perfect filler episode. Now I'm happy and I'm rested from the meta plot. And I'm very curious how the actual meta plot will continue onwards. But this was a very, very much needed breather. It was perfect in its timing. It was perfect in its content. It was perfect in its focus character. Everything is awesome about this episode. Let's go on with the show. And with this, we say thank you for listening. Please Find us on our various social media. We love interacting with you, either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash taotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards, such as early release, merch and hours of bonus content. Yes, hours. If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really do help. Or telling all your friends about us because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye.